Hi, this is Stefan Sindoni, and you're now listening to Sindoni Says. Today is March 18th, 2017, one day away from my birthday. Yes, tomorrow will be my birthday, and uh, I'm excited today. I've got someone here who's a researcher. Welcome, Cortland Dahl to Sindoni Says. Hey, Stefan. It's great to be here and finally get a chance to talk to you. I've been uh, trying to track you down now for a couple of years, so it's good for us to finally have a chance to chat. I guess we're saving the best for last. I hope so. <laughs> I think so, actually. <laughs> That's great. So you were trying to track me down. So let's see. Is there something that we have in common? Oh, certainly. Well... Really, when I started, um, uh, first found you there, I, I watched your videos about Mount Shasta, and I've always had a fascination with that area myself. So I like the stories and the way you in interpreted uh, Emily Frank's book, and especially, of course, the legend of J.C. Brown. And at first, I, you know, I, I saw that, and I thought it was really some interesting historical research, and, and it was entertaining. I watched it a few times, and then as time went on, my own research kind of led me to Mount Shasta without me even expecting that at first. I'd seen some distant connections, but after time went on, I began to see how uh, the founder of Chico, the town where I live in Northern California, had some distant connections to Mount Shasta uh, via some characters that may have been associated with the Theosophical Society or the IM activity and other kind of... Uh, alternate beliefs that are going on up at Mount Shasta. So when I saw your story, again, I, I realized that there were a few uh, possible family crossover things in the names mentioned in Lord Caldray, John Benjamin Body, uh, to work I had been doing that involved the Hudson's Bay Company. And this also includes the Dunsmere family, uh, the namesake of the town up there near Mount Shasta. So when I saw your story, boy, the legend of J.C. Brown just kind of fit this pattern of, of uh, these treasure mysteries that had been known of, or in some cases even arranged by these family groups that were from England and Scotland and France. And these kind of things were placed around the country in places that they specifically valued, like Chico and Mount Shasta and other places I've been to, like Williamsburg, Virginia, that they had kind of designated places where architecture and other uh, would be built that included clues as to what was going on and involved these kind of family traditions that involved a similar story to that um, that you've been telling us through the legend of J.C. Brown. And along the way, I found a lot of use of geography and what's known as a prime meridian or a place from which to measure where specific structures would be built that actually the directions suggested by the structure would often be involved in these mysteries. I mean, this reads like a novel after I got going. <laughs> and really, I started with Thomas Jefferson because he did these kind of things, and I worked my way back, you know, uh, through more modern history as people moved west. These kind of things were also being developed and, and uh, established oftentimes including a story somewhat like the the legend of J.C. Brown or other uh, treasure myths and everything that, that do involve uh, hidden things often, 
but also involve teaching you a lot about history that you may, may not have noticed before, as you know well. Well, you're exactly right. Most of what we've been taught in school is probably a lie. It's just interesting that when you go off on your own and you start to research on your own, you start to realize that the existing paradigm was created by individuals who want to keep the status quo. And yeah. if you're someone who you know asks the, the following question, well, what if? There's got to be a, another answer to this or another way of looking at it. Is it half full or half empty? So I started looking things in a different way from a very early age, and I questioned. I trusted, but I had to verify. So for me, when I saw your information, when we finally connected, and I took a look at your video, I was startled uh, first, I have to tell you, to see that there are names that you had come up with as well that I had found in my research and uh, it validated for me what I had known all along that I was on the right track. But when you came along and shared your research, because we're on opposite sides of the country, sure, I've never spoken to you up until uh, that point afterwards and I looked at your stuff and from there you know we uh, we ended up doing this show tonight so I want to thank you for being persistent reaching out to me a couple of times because I've uh, as you know and I don't like talking much about it but I've been flying under the radar because of the res- kind of research that I do it is interesting though and this is hundreds of years ago maybe a thousand years ago in some cases but we're not talking about what happened yesterday but yet there are people who do not want this information to become public knowledge. Right. Well, a lot of it there, you know, uh, I I think the same thing as you. A lot of it is hidden and obscured. But what I also noticed, too, that I was able to find out a lot about of it, about what was going on through kind of looking at these interpretive clues that were left. So, in part, uh, anything that's being told is left in a way... That's in a metaphor. That's part of a Greek myth, for example, that they'll put in a statue that you're left to interpret and look at the people who were involved in doing it. And from doing this, you can learn very much. So there are kind of codes and hidden things around that you have to learn or be initiated enough to see what's going on. And this is where the story is told. So in that way, things are revealed, but you're, you're totally correct. Uh, nobody's writing that these stories down as you know they unfold when you come to understand what's going on so there's a lot to that and yes it, it was uh, just uh, you know when I started to develop my uh, mysteries and legends of Northern California series I wanted to contact you to get you to come on the show and tell your side of the J.C. Brown story because a lot of the facts and things as I said kind of match this scheme of families that I found that, that kind of settled in areas as the West was being developed. Uh, they seemed to value certain geographic areas like the latitude of the Mason-Dixon line, which Chico is situated on. And Chico is also based on the plan of Washington, D.C. And later in my research, I was amazed to find that uh, Annie Ellicott Kennedy, or Bidwell, the wife of the founder of Chico, was actually directly related to Andrew Ellicott, the man who had designed the streets of D.C. and actually laid them out with a surveying instrument with the crew. And this is after Pierre L'Enfant withdrew his uh, services in that. 
So it's great that we finally hooked up here. We're going to get something going together and have uh, make a documentary about the legend of J.C. Brown, hopefully, and tell the truth about that story. It's an interesting story. As you know, I read about it in the Emily A. Frank book, uh, Mount Shasta, Mystic Mountain. I was enthralled by it, and I just seemed I connected with the story. So much so that I had to spend a couple of weeks in the New York Public Library researching it. But the funniest thing, how the universe works. When I got to the library, I was ready to go to the genealogy department to go through border crossings. Because I figured if the man was from England, then they had to cross through the border and there had to be documentation. But before I got to the computer, I'm 10 feet away, I said to the, uh, the clerk there at the desk, I said, can you look up something for me on Google? He said, what do you want to look up? I said, Lord Cowdray, the Lord Cowdray Mining Company of England. So he types it in, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, he gets a bullseye. There was a Lord Cowdray Mining Company of England. I'm looking at him like, wow, is the universe, you know, have a sense of humor or what? thing I know, I found border crossings with Lord Cowdray himself, other people. It wasn't until I got Lord Cowdray's autobiography and he listed four of his lieutenants, and one of the lieutenants' name was... J.B. Body or John Benjamin Body, which was close to J.C. Brown. And when I looked at his life, and then I saw his border crossings going through Laredo, Texas with Lord Cowdrey in 1903 and 1904, just like in the legend, and a number of times, then I realized that this could be no coincidence. I had a bullseye. I had a definite match. And Later on, I came out to uh, California, and I went to Stockton. I met with a newspaper man who uh, got me the article about that story, and he says, how do you know about this? We've never posted this. You know, this is 100 years old, whatever. I says, I just know what I know, and I know who the man was. So it was kind of like, how do you know who he is? His name was supposedly J.C. Brown. I says, no, he's John Benjamin Body. But I didn't let on what I really knew about it. But I was 100% sure that when I came out to Stockton, and I did, and I met with him, and we filmed a, a scene there with him at the newspaper, which is in a movie that I haven't released yet. I went to the home of John C. Root that was on uh, Joaquin Street, where the actual meetings took place for the six weeks. And as I stood in front of this house in Stockton, I had goosebumps. This is reality for me as though it was deja vu all over again, like Yogi Berra would say. And I knew that I had to have a connection to find this house without ever being in Stockton, California before. Right. And then I go up to Shasta and Dunsmere, and I'm taking locals around with me and telling them, okay, we've got to go this way. And they're going like, but you've never been here. I go, no, but I know what I know. So this was quite interesting for me because somehow I was being guided. Even today, what I know now, I've, I've learned a lot more. But when your research came up, it brought joy to my heart. Because for the longest time, people were acting like, this can't be right. This guy's finding his stuff. And what does it really mean? Well, here's what it means. If J.C. Brown or John Benjamin Body, under the bowels of Mount Shasta found giant skeletons, remains of six and a half to ten feet tall, and remnants of an ancient civilization, then there's a lot we haven't been told about our creation story, about the history of America and the history of the world. Right, I agree. And, and you know, there's other possibilities too, but that's there's a lot of uh, inference that there's, even some of the other legends and myths suggest at least a similar story that's pointing 
towards, you know, a hidden chamber being there, the remains of somebody important being hidden in Mount Shasta is also suggested by the kind of mystery of the Frenchman's Tower in Palo Alto that I uncovered that even involves interest uh, of the exiled king of France, Henry V, uh, Artois, or uh, interest of his uh, acquiring a stock farm in Palo Alto that would later become Stanford University and the property of Leland Stanford, a two-time governor of California, California senator, a person that has just a lot of other connections to interesting things in Chico history and California history. So the Frenchman's Tower itself is due south of the peak of Mount Shasta. This is the kind of prime meridian association uh, that I'm speaking of. And as we discussed before, also the estate of Joaquin Miller, a character that you talked about in your research that I also found a lot of interesting connections to, uh, built his estate exactly due south of the peak of Mount Shasta and, in fact, built a pyramid right at that point on his property that is exactly 180 degrees south of the peak. When I first started looking into that, I thought it was a coincidence, you know, that this could be a coincidence. But as I looked at the life of Joaquin Miller right before he moved back to Oakland, he lived in Washington, D.C. for almost three years in a log cabin right on the White House Meridian in Washington, D.C. So he had really come to California and this is after when he was younger, obviously, he had lived at Mount Shasta and wrote of his exploits in his book. The whole tradition of building a tower like that associated especially with the royal figure comes from Charlemagne, who left mysteries as to where his remains were, I believe, based on similar mysteries left by Constantine the Great. So I think in early California there was a big struggle and lots of subterfuge going on with different national interests being interested in California because of the mineral resources and the great wealth that was coming forth from the gold rush at that time. I believe this is another myth that is telling you that there's a man in the mountain mythology at Mount Shasta that's similar to a, the Cora Rosicrucian uh, doctrine that Kristen Roisencrantz is interred in a chamber in an unknown mountain. So there are elements of the J.C. Brown story that match that as well, but the Frenchman's Tower is hinting that even maybe separate from the J.C. Brown story, it's a whole different mystery, or it could be inter uh, woven with the same one that the remains of somebody important is at Mount Shasta in alignment with the Frenchman's Tower. It appears Joaquin Miller may have been aware of this, uh, later, Alexander Dunsmuir also built his house due south of Mount Shasta in Oakland that's owned by the city now and is used as an event center. And then even John Muir, his house in Martinez, California, is due south of Mount Shasta as well. So these men seem to have valued this place, I think in part for the reasons that you're talking about that and the things I've discovered. And even John Muir had a very close uh, friendship and relationship with John Bidwell, the founder of Chico, who I found established in Axis Mundi in Prime Meridian in Chico. And uh, we have a landscape mystery in Chico here that even involves the Cistercian Monastery of New Clairvaux that the city plaza here in Chico, quote, points to. Could have to do with your mystery as well.
Well, it's good that we're doing the the tie-ins here where it leads us. I'm glad that you and I are taking this time to research together. It's nice to meet someone finally who has a real good sense of what I've been going through and what I'm trying to do. So what is your goal with uh, what you've learned? Well, what I've learned, I really just ever since I, I found it, it was just by chance. I have some, you know, academic background in geography, map drawing, archaeology, and art history. So I, the, all of these kind of things fit those interests that I've had some schooling in, too. So that, that helped me a lot in my search. Uh, genealogy is important to understand, I think, because people valued their families more in the past and worked together towards common goals over time. So that's kind of something that's disappeared uh, to a lot of the rest of us in the modern age, but a lot of these traditional families that were based on kind of the, the first settlers of the United States who also had ties to the gentry of England and Scotland and France, Germany, and other European interests, would also kind of act in, in concert with their foreign families towards their success. My mom, my mom is of British and Scottish ancestry. She's a lot different than Americans were, and I, who, who I grew up around. I did not see. My mother was very rigid. She was very proper. She had values, morals, and a high sense of uh, pride in who she was and where she came from. And these royal families were, who were pedigreed also had the same sort of system built within them. Sure. And that, that kind of speaks to one of the ties to Stockton and J.C. Brown that we were discussing in that he was married to Mary Hammer, and that's a storied family in England that's related to the same Bacon family that Sir Francis Bacon came from. And then if, if one were to watch the episode four of Mysteries and Legends of Northern California that I put out, I show the direct involvement of Bacon family members in the mysteries of Chico and Mount Shasta. So that family connection right there is of great interest to both of us. So we'll be finding out more about that and let everybody know when we do find more. Exactly. I'm glad that we are teaming up because this is something that is necessary, I think, in order to go forward. The giant part of the story, though, in your research, did you find anything to indicate anything about giants in North America or anywhere else for that matter? You know, I, I have not seen direct references to that except on, in one instance when I was researching with the Newport Tower. There's a Cistercian monastery associated with possibly with the Newport Tower, and on that same property there is a burial there that is supposed to be of a giant. But as I looked into that, I found that it was actually a Revolutionary War era man who had two extra teeth behind his original front teeth. So he had an extra row of teeth? Yeah, and he was he was a little bit, uh, he was about 6'1", so for that day he was a little bit taller than most people, but not what you would consider a giant. But I do have a personal story in my life that I found a, an interesting panel of petroglyphs in Nevada one time. I was camping out in a really remote area. We were there for a couple of days before I realized that the whole 
rock face behind our camp was covered with petroglyphs. And this is probably about 40 or 50 miles to the west of the famous Lovelock Cave site where the has stories about red-haired giant skeletons being found there and then spirited away by the Smithsonian or, or something like that. What was interesting about this petroglyph site, me and my friend that were there were the first people to find this and record it as well. Some of the glyphs were so far up on the cliff face that one would have either had to have built the scaffold or hung from the top using a rope or have been seven or eight feet tall to reach. They would have had to stand on somebody else's shoulders probably to these petroglyphs and some of them were pretty extensive so that made me think since we weren't far from Lovelock that there could be a connection if all of the giant stories are indeed true. Well I got one for you real quick. Hedge Creek Falls which is right off I-5 there on the way to Dunsmere. There's basalt rock formation. There are looks like headstones that look like ancient Lemurian carvings which the Native Americans don't want to take credit for. But when I talked to the United States Forest Service they kind of like said well don't tell anybody. They were high up on the rock only be done by either someone tall someone went and put graffiti nearby so that way it would obscure the view to see the faces hiding in plain sight of head street waterfalls that's kind of what i learned as i went around in northern california and that was in dunsmere not too far from where I believe J.C. Brown or John Benjamin Body through tunnel that led uh, under the bowels of Mount Shasta. Right. We got a couple more minutes, so give us your website. Give us information about how people can get a hold of you before we wrap up. But I'd like to bring you back on. I do some more interviews with you on Sindoni Says, and we can go back and forth because I find you a very interesting guy. So give out all the information, if you will. Sure, I have a blog, survivalcell.blogspot.com, uh, where there are links to all my books on CreateSpace. They're also available on Amazon.com, but if you purchase them from CreateSpace, the author gets more, so hint, hint, there. <laughs> I'm also on Facebook with Court Lindahl. I can be contacted there or at geomancyatlive.com. Just kind of get all this information out to the people, and that's really always been my kind of major motivation in all of this. I really have never profited from doing any of this. I've spent a great deal of time looking forward to talking to you some more. We've got a lot of interesting stuff to find and say. So we're going to try to work on a video project as well. Working and finding chain of intrigue that comes all the way from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem via the Temple Treasure to Constantinople, Ravenna, Italy, Rome, the mysteries of southern France and uh, Santiago de Compostela, Rennes-le-Chateau, they all have connections together. And a lot of this is linked together, I believe, through uh, the American ideal as expressed through the Society of the Cincinnati, of which Joaquin Miller was a member. So we'll talk more about that next time. Court, I want to thank you very much for taking the time tonight to tell your story and to share your research. Again, I look forward to our association. I'm chopping at the bit for the next time that we get together and we do this. As we go, we're going to learn. It's going to give us both the validation and people who are listening. The mind is like a parachute. It can only work if it's open. You're not going to learn anything by watching the uh, Baltimore Colts play the Washington Redskins other than the fact that the Washington Redskins should have a different name and leave the Native Americans alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. And we'll all learn something in the bargain, and it's, it's great, too, as we've been planning. 
you and I have slightly different outlooks on things. I'm a kind of rational historical researcher and, and you kind of have a lot of spirituality and new kind of ideas involved in your work. So it's going to be great to hear both sides of the coin and how we discuss it and work together towards telling everybody about what we're finding. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.